Good morning. Will you turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 20? John chapter 20 will be in verses 11 through 18. If you don't have a Bible, we have free giveaway Bibles in the foyer. And uh, it's also reprinted on the back of your bulletin. John 20, 11 through 18. Here's who I'm thinking of today. We sang these words, Who am I that the highest king would welcome me? I was lost, but he brought me in. Oh, his love for me. You know, that's a testimony. I was lost and he brought me in. And when we sing lyrics like that, we testify that God has been good to us, that God has done this for us. In our text, we'll see Mary Magdalene. She'll move from weeping about what's going on in her world to announcing the good news of Jesus. She has a testimony. But who I'm thinking of are some of you. And Mary Magdalene knows what this is like. In A Mighty Fortress that we sang as our heritage hymn for the month of October, it says that our enemy is armed with cruel hate. Not regular hate, not average hate, but our enemy, the enemy of God's people, has a special kind of vicious hate. Scripture also says he prowls around like a lion seeking someone to devour. Mary Magdalene, her life was ruined before Jesus. But some of you this week, Maybe you've felt that cruel hate of our enemy. And I want to pray for you particularly before we go to God's word. So let's go to the Lord in prayer and let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your perfect love. Which is such a contrast to our enemy's cruel hate. Cruel hate. My brothers and sisters in this room hearing my voice, some of them have felt that cruel hate. So Father, I ask that you would guard their hearts and minds today. That the sting of that hate that they've felt would be refreshed by your love, which is perfect. Your mercy your grace, maybe even your forgiveness for those hearts so hurt in so much pain. Father, speak to their needs and show them how Jesus can redeem them and heal them. And Lord, for all of us, this past week was a week. We had a week. Ups and downs, highs and lows, victories and failures, sins and forgiveness. And now we come before your holy word. Every word of it is true. Every word of it is good and useful for everything we need for righteousness and for faith. And so feed us now the delicious and nourishing meal that you've prepared for us lovingly. Lord, the enemy has cruel hate, but you have perfect love. Help us feast on that from your word right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The Gospel of John, chapter 20. I'll read verses 11 through 18. And here we will see the testimony of Mary Magdalene. 
But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And that he had said these things to her. What a testimony. Can you imagine her emotions? Can you imagine what she was going through? Her testimony and the name of our sermon, the sermon title is, I have seen the Lord. That's the testimony. This is the first testimony ever. It's the first testimony of someone who had seen the risen Savior herself. Look at verse 18. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. Well, what happened that day? How has this woman's life changed? What difference does a risen Savior make? And here's what we're going to see. Mary Magdalene goes through four verbs with Jesus as the linchpin. Jesus as the changing moment for her. First, she's weeping and seeking. And then she finds Jesus or Jesus finds her. So she's weeping and seeking. But then after she is changed by Jesus, the risen Savior, she's following and announcing. Those are our four points. The four verbs that Mary goes through. First, she's weeping and seeking, and then she gets changed by Jesus, and she goes to following and announcing. That's the Christian testimony. Where are you at in life? Where are you at right now with Jesus? Where are you at spiritually? Are you weeping because this world is so painful and dreadful and and hurtful and harmful and you're seeking a savior? You're seeking hope. You're seeking an answer. Are you weeping and seeking or are you following and announcing? Once Jesus has found you, you go to follow him and to announce him. But where are you? Are you hopeless or hopeful right now? Do you have everything you need? Have you searched and searched, but you still haven't found what you're looking for? Or maybe it's been a tough year. Maybe the enemy armed with cruel hate has made you have a cruel summer. And your head's hanging low in the glow of that vending machine. Where are you at in life? Weeping and seeking or following and announcing. You're not 
other than that. You're weeping and seeking or following and announcing. And the Christian testimony is this. If you're a Christian, we go out into this world and we say, I have seen the Lord and now I'm following him and I'm announcing him. Before Christ, our life will be characterized like Mary's with weeping and seeking. After Christ, following and announcing. So let's hear Mary's testimony, weeping and seeking to following and announcing. First, she's weeping. This is the first Easter. Here at Cornerstone, we eat pancakes and the room smells like maple syrup. But on the first Easter, Mary has salty tears falling down her face because she is weeping. Look at verse 11. The greatest day in history, here's how it's going for Mary. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, here's why, here's her answer. They have taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him. Mary was weeping, crying mourning, suffering. She had a realistic view of a world full of sin. She had hope and she followed that hope, but now her hope was gone. That's what the human heart does. We weep at the pain and suffering and sin in this world, in our own hearts and in the world around us. And we seek an answer. We seek a savior. We seek a solution. We seek a remedy. We seek escape. We go to entertainment. We go to drugs. We go to alcohol. We go to people. We go to other things, success, trophies. We go to those things until we find one that stops the weeping. So Mary had one, but he was gone. And that's why she was crying. Because Jesus, in her mind, was not just dead, he was gone. She was weeping and now seeking again. Is this common? Is sadness everywhere? Last year, Gallup, which does polling all the time, revealed this. How many percentage of Americans are satisfied in their life? They can say, basically, I'm satisfied in life. 38% of Americans can't even say, yeah, life is okay. I'm satisfied. 38% of Americans say they're satisfied in life. Can you believe that number? Many Americans, sadness is their theme song. Uh, A Pixar film called Inside Out really resonated with a lot of people. In the movie, you're not watching the main character, but you're watching the emotions play around in the character's head, uh, this girl's head. And in her head, there's joy, sadness, fear, disgust, and anger. And they're sort of playing out her emotions. And it can get downright hilarious because sadness is something we can all relate to. At one point, joy and sadness are talking about going outside. So the personification of joy and the personification of sadness. And sadness says she likes rain. She likes when it's raining. And joy says, well, you mean like jumping in the puddles? That's what joy thinks. But then sadness says, I like it when the rain makes our shoes soggy and we get all cold and shivery. And everything just starts feeling droopy. And then she falls on her face and hits the ground. So Joy says, hey, hey, why are you crying? Right, Mary, why are you weeping? American psychology, why are you crying? Why? What is the point of crying? And sadness gives a fascinating answer when Joy says, why are you crying? Sadness says, crying 
helps me slow down and obsess over the weight of life's problems. Maybe you can relate to that. It sounds like the nightly news. Slowing down to obsess over the weight of life's problems. The Bible, despite what other people have to say about it, is very real about how hard this life is. It's very real about how ugly things can get. It's very real about human emotions. And we celebrate Easter here with pancakes and celebration and the loudest instruments we have. But the first Easter was Jesus rising from the dead into a world full of weeping and sadness and people obsessing over the weight of life's problems. Mary Magdalene was weeping. She had lost something dear. She was seeking something, thought she found him, and then he was gone. Why is she crying? Here's why, if you know the story of Mary Magdalene. Jesus had given her hope. Jesus took her messed up life and redeemed her, gave her a better story about herself. And we learn in Luke chapter 8 that Mary Magdalene had seven demons cast out from her. Her life was destroyed by the one armed with cruel hate. We don't know how all of those demons manifested and how much damage it did in her life. We just know that her testimony was, I was so messed up and then I found Jesus and now I'm not as messed up as I was. And that's the Christian testimony. Look at who I was, the harm I did, the hate I had, the confusion I was in. And then Jesus gave me a better story. Mary wasn't perfect, but she had a past and a present, and Jesus was the difference. And now he was gone, literally gone. Like, not just gone, gone, killed on Friday, but his body was missing. So she's crying. Mary had been really messed up, and now she wasn't. Amazing Grace was blind, but now I see. Amazing Grace was messed up, but now I'm less messed up. Because we're not perfect yet. Mary's source of hope, Jesus, is gone, missing, disappeared, taken away. And so she was, point one, weeping. She was weeping. That's the first verb. Not only was she weeping, she was also seeking. Verb two. Look at verses 14 and 15. Having said this, right, she answers the angels. She turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. So she's weeping and then She gets to talk to Jesus. Verse 15, Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? See, stop there. He knows when we're weeping, we're seeking remedy. We're seeking a solution. We're seeking an answer. We want to know why. We want to know how to stop the tears. So his questions are beautiful. Why are you weeping? And whom are you seeking? He knows, Jesus knows, because he created us, that the human heart always weeps and seeks until it finds a savior. Every human heart, your heart this week, if you lose sight of Jesus, will weep and seek and try to solve with anything other than Jesus until you find the savior. That's the human heart. Jesus knows he made Mary Magdalene's heart. And now he knows what she needs. We are all seekers, all followers, following someone. But for most of us in our country, it's ourselves. Trust your own heart. Be your own savior. 
Some people run to social media influencers or celebrities. Some people look to politics or political leaders. Some people read self-help books on dieting or managing your time or dating tips. And some people have decided to give up on humans because all the humans have let them down. So they turn to their pets, right? More and more people are turning to pets for comfort because all the humans around them have let them down. Even when there's something to celebrate, like this past week, go Phillies. So the Philadelphia Phillies won their game Tuesday night, and that secured our team a spot in the playoffs. So we get to play this Tuesday night in the playoffs. And Wednesday, somebody came to the Phillies game. Did you hear about this? A fan tried to bring his emotional support animal to the Phillies game Wednesday, and they didn't let him in. The uh, man was walking his support animal on a leash, and he said afterwards, because they didn't let him in, well, he likes to give hugs and he's never bitten anyone. And the reason they didn't let him in is because it's a five-foot alligator. Registered as an emotional support animal, for real. For real. He's got an Instagram account and everything. You hear these stories, emotional support animals. I'm not taking that lightly. I know that animals can be therapeutic and a beautiful gift from God for families. And so I am not mocking that. But I do know if you brought a five-foot alligator to the Phillies game, a whole bunch of other people would have needed emotional support. (laughs) So I love animals. God made them. And the reason we can be warmed in our hearts by animals is because God made the animals. And that's beautiful. But everyone is weeping and seeking until they find a savior. And everyone is looking everywhere. And when the humans let you down, you'll go to animals. And when the animals let you down, you'll go to chemicals. Or you'll go to Netflix. Or you'll go to Instagram. You'll go somewhere. Mary was seeking. Jesus knows. Why are you weeping? And whom are you seeking? She's seeking. It was the same back then as it is now. But now Mary, as we read, can say, after what happened in this moment, I have seen the Lord. So let's establish the principle. Human hearts, until you have seen a Savior, you will seek one. Until you have seen a Savior, found a Savior, or been found by one, you will be seeking one. But here's the problem for the world. But Jesus is the solution to that. You will never find true rest until you find the rest giver. And you will never find true peace until you get to know the Prince of Peace. So there's a real problem. Human hearts weep and seek until they find a Savior. But there's only one. It's Jesus. But he is the Prince of Peace and he will give you rest. But you know what we do. And it was back then as it is now. We try and find our security everywhere else. You remember the rich man talking to Jesus about how to get eternal life, how to make it to heaven. And Jesus is talking to the guy and he says to the rich man, one thing you still lack, sell everything you have, give it to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. Come, follow me. In other words, give up what you thought you were hoping in and follow me. And then it says, but when he heard these things, he became very sad. It says because he was extremely rich. Rich isn't the problem. His hope and trust were in his money. That was the problem. He couldn't give up his Savior to follow the Savior. So he was weeping and seeking, and he 
couldn't follow the Savior. But once you're done weeping and seeking, once Jesus gives you hope, then you move from weeping and seeking to following and to announcing. Think about Mary. This guy shows up with questions that morning. Why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Very few people knew Mary better than Jesus and knew Jesus better than Mary. She had walked with him for much of his ministry. She was a ministry team member, a supporter of the the ministry Jesus was doing. She had seen many miracles, and yet she still doesn't quite get that there he is. She doesn't believe yet, and that's a good question. Why? Well, why don't we always believe? Why do we doubt sometimes? Or why did it take so long for some of us to believe in Jesus? Well, We doubt because life is so painful. In our pain, we seek relief, comfort, salvation. And because of sin, every human heart needs a Savior. We weep and seek until we find him. And what we find in the scriptures is that what really needs to happen is that Jesus needs to find us. Jesus seeks us out like lost sheep. He finds us. He opens our eyes and our hearts so that we can see his glory and trust in him. We're saved not by searching and finding Jesus. We're saved by grace through faith. When Jesus finds us and opens our heart and mind to get to know him, to see him and see how he really is the answer to the reason we weep and seek. And so Jesus shows up in Mary's life. Why are you crying? Well, the world's answer is crying helps me slow down and obsess over the weight of life's problems. But the Bible's answer is that there is someone who can dry those tears. Mary goes from weeping and seeking to following and announcing. Let's look at following and announcing now. Jesus shows up to Mary. She's weeping. She's seeking. And Jesus finds her. And now she knows that the Savior has been raised from the dead. Death has been defeated. The wages of sin have been defeated. Satan, who has cruel hate, lost the big battle. She now knows. She moves from weeping and seeking to, for Christians, following and announcing. Look at verse 16. And think about how this starts for her. She's still drying those tears in her eyes, maybe still crying tears running down her face. Verse 16, Jesus said to her, Mary. Let me say that again. I don't think he said, Mary. (laughs) Or, Mary? (laughs) He created the human heart. He knows she's weeping and seeking. I think it sounded like, Mary. And he looked her right in the eyes. And she could tell that her Savior was alive. And he didn't call her follower, disciple, Mary. Can you imagine how she felt? We know he said this because she went and told everyone. He said, my name Has it happened for you yet? Some of you were raised in a church, but you've always just sort of eh, maybe believed, but you still doubt. Today is a good day to cry out to God and ask him to help your unbelief. Lord, help my unbelief. I'm weeping. I'm seeking. I, I don't know Jesus yet. Lord, deliver me. Deliver me. Open my eyes that I might 
See, our life changes when Jesus changes our life, not when we fix ourselves. And so Jesus says to Mary, Mary. The great reformer Martin Luther, who we talked about a few minutes ago with the uh, heritage hymn, he was a really successful monk, a really successful religious person, a really successful sort of religious leader before he came to understand the grace of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he said this about his own testimony, and it helps us understand trying to be religious to get to Jesus is not what happens. It's Jesus showing us grace and mercy and getting us to him. Luther said this, if ever a monk could get to heaven through discipline, I was that monk. And yet, as hard as he worked, as good as he was, as impressive as he was to all of his monk buddies, he said, my conscience would not give me certainty. I always doubted. I said, you didn't do that right. You weren't contrite enough. You left that out of your confession. The more I tried to remedy an uncertain, weak, and troubled conscience with human traditions, the more I found it more uncertain, weaker, and more troubled. Mary thought he was the gardener. She couldn't open her own eyes to see him. Martin Luther couldn't do religion good enough to get to Jesus. Jesus has to show up and change our lives and open our eyes to see him. And then Mary can say, I have seen the Lord. And in that moment, it's personal. Verse 16, Jesus said to her, Mary, your name is also on his lips. I want to ask you, let's all say our first names out loud. Ready? Dave. That was my name, Dave. <laughs> I'm going to ask you to say it again, and I'm not going to interrupt you. Let's say your name. Three, two, one. Jesus knows the name you just said. Jesus right now is at the right hand of the Father and he is interceding and he's praying for you and he knows your name and he loves you enough to pray to the Father using your name. He did it for Mary. He knew her name. He said her name. And when he says our name, it means he knows everything about us. Whatever led Mary Magdalene to be possessed by seven demons, whatever she had done, all of her sins, all of her failure, all of her shame, all of her doubt, he knew it. And when he said her name, he meant Mary you're mine and everything you've done that you attach to that name I nailed it to the cross with me and it's paid for Jesus knows your name and he says it just like he said it for Mary he sets people free whom the son sets free is free Indeed, Mary was now spiritually free. She was weeping. She was seeking. And now she's changed by Jesus. And now she's following. She says, Rabbi, teacher, I'll follow you. She's ready to follow Jesus. She's a disciple. And then Jesus isn't done with her yet. He doesn't just have more instruction for her. She moves from weeping and seeking to following, fourth and finally, to announcing. To announcing. What are we as Christians? We're followers of Jesus and announcers of Jesus. So our fourth verb is announcing. Look at verse 17. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers 
and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father to my God and your God. So she does. Look at verse 18. Mary Magdalene went and announced. Talk about a day for her. Weeping, seeking, following, and announcing. Announced to the disciples the first testimony, I have seen the Lord. And that he had said these things to her. Well, now that her life was changed by the risen Savior, she is following and announcing him. And this is the great commission that you and I are on in Jesus Christ. Our church is here to glorify God by making as many people as possible fully devoted disciples of Jesus. We're following Jesus in our lives and announcing him to our loved ones and friends and supporting missions so that the word of Jesus can get out to the four corners of the earth. So who are you announcing Jesus to? Are you following him this week? Where is it hard to follow him? Are you announcing him this week? I heard a story recently, and I won't say who, about someone who showed up to work and was a hard worker and didn't complain. And somebody found out they were a Christian and they came along and said, ah, if only everybody worked like you. Just by his work ethic and not complaining and not being like the rest of the world, this man's testimony announced to the world that Jesus was his Lord. He's not working for his boss. He's working for Jesus. We announce it with our character. We announce it with our love. We announce it when we forgive those who wrong us, which is one of the most powerful ways to announce the gospel. Forgive someone this week. She says, I have seen the Lord. Well, Jesus makes us new so that we can go out into the world and announce it. Look at verse 15 one last time. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Listen to this next phrase. Supposing him to be the gardener. I don't want to read too much into that. It is interesting, though, that she thought he was the gardener. Uh, That's what it's like to be a Christian. To let Jesus be the gardener. That's what it's like. You let Jesus into your life. You follow him. You read his word regularly and hear from him and obey him and come to understand where your heart needs improvement, needs shaping, needs refining, needs sanctification. And we follow him. We let him plant new plants in our life. We let him organize our schedule, our money, our time and our resources and our hopes. But a gardener also divides and cuts back and weeds. Some plants are very demanding. And everyone's thinking, I know someone who's very demanding. Not me, but I know someone. And they're thinking it's you. Some of us are very demanding in the garden. Some plants are let go to bloom magnificently. Some need more water or more sunshine. And every plant needs pruning. And some need lots and lots of pruning. And then tomorrow, we need more pruning by the gardener. But the gardener knows what to do with you. And he will work in your life a little here, a little there. You won't be the same person next year. Mary wasn't the same person a year later. Jesus was working in her life because that morning the tomb was empty and his body wasn't moved. His body was alive. He was raised. And so for all of us who are following Jesus, let's ask him, Lord, have your way in my life. Whatever you want from me, make that change for my good and your glory. Don't hold anything back. I know you want to. I want to. And if you're here and you don't yet believe, and you're wondering, could this really be true? 
Well, I don't have a surprise. Mary Magdalene, come on out and share your testimony. That would be pretty cool. But I have something better. Hundreds of people in this church right now, in this room, have seen Jesus and has had their lives changed by a risen Savior. Won't you ask a friend? Won't you ask someone in your row? Won't you ask the person who told you about Jesus or who invited you here today? Ask them, how has your life been changed by Jesus? Give them a chance to announce the good news that my life was weeping and seeking until Jesus found me, and now I'm glad I'm following him, and I'm announcing him to the world. We have been given a gift, haven't we? What a gift we've been given. We've moved. Every Christian has moved from primarily weeping and seeking to primarily following and announcing. So Jesus has an invitation for all of us today, particularly as we celebrate the Lord's Supper. Follow Jesus this week, whatever he asks of you, whatever his word requires, whatever he puts on your conscience to do, to forgive or to serve or to love or to bear a burden. And then announce Jesus this week through your life, through your character, and through your words. And then remember Jesus, which we're going to do at the Lord's Supper, and make sure each day to not try and make it through without your source of hope. And think about Jesus in the last few minutes before you lay head down. Start your day with hearing from your Lord and Savior, Jesus. Let's all remember our testimony. It's the testimony of Mary Magdalene. But it's the testimony of every believer. I have seen the Lord. Let me pray. Lord, you have made yourself known. There is so much weeping in this world. There is so much seeking in this world. There is so much pain in this world. And you loved this world so much that you did not leave us in the darkness. You did not leave us with a giant box of tissues to cry and cry and cry forever. You have compassion on us when we seek things other than you for salvation. You saw this world and sent your son Jesus to die in our place, to take us from weepers and seekers and make us followers and announcers. But Lord, the enemy is armed with cruel hate. And so comfort those who are in so much pain this morning. And for all of us, Lord, help us follow you and give us a chance this week to announce you, to tell someone like Mary Magdalene did, I have seen the Lord. Thank you for opening our eyes so that we could see you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.